for me, motorcycling is mainly a therapy. A therapy, not just the fact of jumping on, which is the whole idea of biking is crazy by itself. You, you, you go in 90, 70 miles per hour on, a, on two wheels with a tank full of petrol and an engine full of electricity between your legs and hoping that nothing goes wrong. So I've never expected biker to dissect it what are we doing here? it's like oh this is, is it gonna be okay well let's just keep going yeah and but it's not just that it's the whole um connection with the machine like yeah the fact that the machine doesn't work and you can spend a whole day in the garage dissecting every single part what's going on trying to find a problem uh trying to sort it out it's it's not just repairing a machine at the same time as the intense conversation that you're having with yourself all the time mm. um, trying to find the problem in an engine is at the same time trying to find something that is bothering you about yourself oh my god it's a challenge of like if i can sort out uh, i can i can it gives me the time while i'm twisting this uh, spanner to think about what is going on through my life and what is happening and how how lucky I am to to have the time to to, to spend in in something that 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 is about me. This is mm. this is just about me. That mm. relationship, to, you know, and how lucky I am to to have that moment. And 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 even if the bike doesn't work and you end up throwing all your tools in the window and swearing to everything, that little moment that you have time. This is the thing, the situation that you have to think back and say, how lucky I am to to. To be able to swear something so mundane. Yes. And so I, silly. Yeah. So you've applied to every arts grant under the sun. But maybe all those YouTube plays are really just your mum. You learn lines all night and wait tables by day. Or maybe you've made it. But can't help reading what the trolls have to say. Well, we say thank you for sharing the things that you make. Thank you for sharing the joys and the heartbreaks. Thank you for sharing the darkness as well as the light. Feel free to be funny, sarcastic, or sad, or uncertain, or exceedingly polite. Honestly, honesty is the best policy. Sharing your truth can bring love or hilarity. Somebody listening might just begin to share too. Thank you for sharing. Welcome to Thank You For Sharing, a podcast to open up conversations with artists and creatives about mental health and self-care. This week, my guest is Miguel Amortiki. Miguel is an award-winning filmmaker, photographer, investigative journalist and participatory photographer trainer. He uses the visual mediums of film and photography to tell meaningful stories, often with a social conscience. And through participatory photography, he's worked with disadvantaged and marginalised communities across the world to enable individuals to represent themselves and create tools for advocacy and communication. These groups have ranged from young people involved in gangs in London, to the residents of Lima slums in Peru, to communities experiencing extreme poverty in Ghana. 
His website, www.miguelamortegui.com, is packed full of info, photos and video footage of all these incredible projects. I really recommend you have a look through it. His work more recently led him to the Calais Jungle Refugee Encampment, where he worked with residents there, helping them to channel the pain and trauma they had experienced on their journeys into their own personal photography projects. Many photos and the stories of those he met there have now been shared in the book Voices of the Jungle. In his words, born as a response to the oversaturated and irresponsible coverage provided by the mainstream media regarding the refugee humanitarian crisis, it gives voice to the thousands of refugees that were trapped and mistreated in the infamous jungle in Calais. It is an intimate portrait of the lives of these refugees, their stories, their hopes, their dreams, and especially their dignity. Miguel and I met completely by chance last year. He's a friend of my flatmate at the time, sister's boyfriend, and was staying on our sofa because he was stepping in to cover someone in a play in London. What I then found out the next morning when I met him was that it was The Jungle, the West End production by Good Chance Theatre. Good Chance Theatre are a fantastic organisation set up by Joe Murphy and Joe Robertson when they were in The Jungle, where they provided a safe space in the form of a large white dome and a programme of theatre and art workshops with the communities there to bring people together and provide some solace in unleashing people's imaginations in the most dire circumstances. And they continued this work in new projects in Paris and with refugees and asylum seekers in this country and with more projects to come. In their words, through theatre and art... Good Chance creates new kinds of communities to empower artists from across the world and connect people, stories and cultures. I did a short stint of volunteering with them in February last year and had seen The Jungle the previous month, which since has been shared in New York and San Francisco. So Miguel and I had so much to talk about. He started to open up to me about the unique experience that the jungle was, that it was never officially declared a refugee camp, which meant a huge lack of government intervention, help and support, and a slower than usual entrance of NGOs and other charity organisations to appear, meaning really desperate and inhumane living conditions for residents living there. Incredibly, over time it was transformed into a community with makeshift shops, there were schools, there were restaurants, libraries, churches, mosques, there were centres for women and children, youth clubs. This was all through the hard work of the residents there, so many cultures and nationalities working together and organisations gradually coming in, as well as a huge influx of volunteers from England of all ages, a lot without any experience, but a huge amount of heart, humanity and morality. He mentioned to me the difficulties some volunteers had experienced with their mental health and their return from the jungle. Some had been working there around the clock 24 hours a day, seven days a week, before then more helpful guidelines and rules were imposed by help refugees who then had arrived on site. And Miguel kindly agreed to continue our chats about how one does look after their mental health through this sort of work on this podcast. Through our chats, we talk about the emotional outlet that his artistic creative work and his hobby of painting on the side have provided him with, how he has coped and survived in the most terrifying and traumatic experiences through grasping for the humanity between him and those around him, what led him to photography, what he loves about his work, and how he tries to look after his mental health around his work, and the anchors we all need in life to root us and ground us. Obviously, the nature of his work and volunteering in general is well known to have a hugely positive impact on one's mental health, and that comes up a lot at the very end of this episode. But on the other hand, being exposed to so much pain and trauma and seeing the disparity and injustice of how much opportunity and safety some countries have as opposed to others can be a huge amount to process and carry, especially as the emotions you're going through can in the moment seem lesser to the immediate dangers to the lives of the people you're helping. Whereas, as we all know, to help others in the best possible way, we need to also be checking in with our own mental and physical health. It's the old gas mask analogy, put the gas mask on yourself before you can help others. 
We therefore discuss the ways that talking and art can help volunteers not to burn out and how to keep up your mental and physical health, to follow your heart and to keep helping people in those situations as best you can in the truly amazing ways that people did throughout the jungle's lifetime and the truly amazing ways that people are doing it now all over the world. I will talk about ways to continue to support refugees around the world at the end of the podcast. This episode does contain distressing and upsetting content. If you've been affected by anything we've talked about on this episode or you're looking to seek further mental health support, please do look at our show notes. We have a list of telephone numbers and websites there. And that's, that's, that's exactly the, 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 the outlet that uh, artists have is their representation of, of what goes through their souls and their day by day and how they cope with this existence which... In a way, when someone says ignorance is a bliss, they are completely right. In the moment that that you question everything that goes through your life, everything that your society represents and and stands for, it can be painful. It can be be really hard to be aware of that reality. And you need to find out ways to, 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 to show how your emotions are represented. That could be through photography, music painting, art, any kind of art is, 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 is healthy, I think. It's, it helps you a lot to, to move in this spectrum of what, what reality is in your mind. No. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And to, like we were saying earlier tonight, not stay stuck in an emotion, but to move through it. And to realise you're not alone in it. And I wonder, I feel like we probably both have quite yeah overactive brains and uh questioning and uh empathetic empaths by nature so that actually we we also do need that side to our brain that is just a fish and just is like to be able to be silly and to be able to laugh and you were telling me the most wonderful story well we might come back to it actually quite one of the first distressing moments you had as a photographer where you met some children and uh but, but, but what struck me um before the distress was the uh the humor and the immediate leap to mm. to what does this human being re- need right now in front of me uh i'm gonna balance a coin on my nose or i'm gonna be a clown and i'm yeah. gonna uh, connect in that way and if we don't if we can't have that as well as, you know, the, the kind of more disturbing things, you know, it's that balance, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting how raw, raw emotions can, can shift a situation. Uh, a situation that is so, let's imagine a dark room mm-hmm. and one spotlight into a center of the room. And it's a really hard situation. It's very dark and it's just one reality, that light. And different emotions can bring, can shift the illumination of, the, of that room, like if they were mirrors, can it spread the light mm. and illuminate different parts. So every emotion that comes into that light could divert the light. They can divert the intensity of the light. Yeah. Can bright that dark situation yeah. into the most luminous place and can make you cope with it. And those, those, those emotions that are embedded in, the, in, in our day-by-day, egocentricity, uh, happiness, sadness, fear, uh, humor, the, 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 those, 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 those emotions can change a situation like, for example, as a photographer, it happened to me many times for just a, a small example. 
somewhere in Africa, uh, uh, I was driving to the desert on a motorcycle, trying to find a community that uh, produces you know, a little in a market. And a few military arrived and, and they stopped us. And, and they were not happy with my work and they were not happy who I was or what I was doing. And immediately the situation go intensified really hard, really fast. And a you know, very volatile situation. And 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 up to the moment I end up in the floor with a pair of boots on my head and a rifle pointed to to it. And it's a situation you say, this is this is not good. This is it's probably at the end now. And at a, a retrospective of my life, what I did, the people that I met, and you're like, okay, you, you know, it, it was good life. It was a good life. It was a, it was a moment that. Probably someone can make a film out of it, and that that means that it was good, and 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 it's time to to see the credits roll. Oh my gosh! And then, in that moment, one of the guys dragged me, and he was gonna pull me inside one of the trucks, and I didn't know where it was. Nobody knows what I was gonna be, not, nothing. And in that little trajection from from the floor to the to the truck, I saw a man. I was just standing watching everything. And I say to the guy who was dragging me, stop, stop. And I look at the uh, 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 at the soldier. He looked important because he had a pair of glasses and he wasn't doing anything. He was just staring. And I say to him, like, you're, you, you are very powerful. You're a very powerful man. Can I have your photograph? You, can I have your portrait? You're very strong. I give you the picture. doesn't matter. I just want to take your photograph. You're very powerful. That goes ego. Mm. And immediately beat him. Mm. And he was like, stop, take it. He stand there and took his photograph and I look at it and oh, you're look at look at look at the picture. You're very powerful. Look. One more, please, one more. And I say, okay. Mm. Can I have your friends with you? Yes. They pose. And I took a three, four photographs. And I say, I would love to send you this photograph. How can I send you this picture? Oh, you have WhatsApp? Yes, give me your turn. Oh, let him go, let him go. Mm. You have to send me the picture, okay? Yes, yes. And and and, and the situation shaped. In that moment. Because there was a different mirror into the dark room mm. and divert the light, divert the situation. Mm. Things like that happen more a lot of a lot of the time. As a photographer you can you can you can modify the situation like that, for example, in the camp, in the refugee camp in Calais, when it was a horrible moment, when uh, there were two days before the the camp was evicted, so everybody was trying, didn't know what to do. Uh, it was dangerous at the time. And when I'm leaving the camp at 10 o'clock at night, I see a family coming, and I can only see the silhouettes. So I start taking photographs of the silhouettes, and when they come, they are arriving to the camp two days before the evictions of the camp. So there's no hope for them, basically. And I start to talk to them, and they're from Syria, and they didn't know what was happening. They didn't know anybody in the camp. 10 o'clock in the night, they're going to have to sleep outside. They're carrying these bags. So when I offer my help, and we start to move the bags, the suitcase, trying to find uh, one of the volunteers to see if we can assign something for them. 
and the French police arrive, intercept them, and uh, open the bags, and start to throw their search in the bags, and start to throw their things in the mud, the wet mud, or their clothes in the wet mud, and then they point to the to the mom, who was uh, the mother, it was the daughter, it was around sixteen, and two little kids. And he points the mother for that bag, open the bag. And the woman opened it. And she says, it's my underwear, please don't. It's a Muslim woman. She's really embarrassed and she doesn't want to show her underwear. And I say, open it, show us, show us. And what about those ones? And she has to hold her underwear. They're laughing at her, they're laughing. And now your daughter. And she's like, no, please, my daughter, no. And in that situation, I hold my camera and they look at me and say, you don't touch that camera. You know, you get arrested. You take one photograph. So I'm in a situation, I can't, do, I can't do anything. And the only thing that I can see is the, the two kids crying because they f- see their mom crying. And they see their mom being humiliated. And in that situation, what can you do? It's really, really hard. It's breaking your your soul is breaking your heart and, and, and there is a moment when, 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 when you have to step up and make your your stomach your heart you know strong and like a rock and then I took um, the same situation in Africa I took the my uh, no an umbrella I think they had an umbrella and I took the umbrella from them and I balance it in my in my nose. That's my party trick most of the time when situations like this happen. And I balance on my nose, and I start to do a little clown routine, and in my chin, and 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 the kids. And I brought the kids to me, and I was they were laughing, laughing, while while their mom basically was being abused by the police. There was nobody else to to that, that could help. So the only the only thing that I could do is minimize the pain yeah. on these children. Because those children were keeping the trauma and they were collecting traumas from the moment that they lived before Syria, their journey and experience in the camp. So that was the only thing I could do. And, and, and then finally they finished. Uh, the kids were laughing. And I remember to see one of, the, one of the policemen, a young guy, he was looking at me. And there was something different on his eyes than the yeah. rest of the police. Yeah. There was that vidriosity, that glass kind of like looked like of like about to cry, mm-hmm. and he understood. Mm-hmm. He understood. The rest were just animals, really. Doesn't matter how much power you have in a situation. Doesn't matter how strong you have to follow rules. There has to be a humanity and 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 a conviction that says to you, "This is not right." Mm. And if I have to do the searching because security reasons, I shouldn't exploit that situation to deshumanize someone. Mm. And if I'm following orders because that's my job and couldn't do anything else at my level, okay, but at least try to be human, try to respect mm. that. And and that's what we're fighting. But in situations like that, humor create this reflection the same the same analogy, no? To bring light to yeah. somewhere that it was completely dark. Well, and also, uh, thank you so much for sharing all that. I mean, that's a... Yeah, the, the, the things you've seen and learning how to um, 
how to trust your instincts in a situation. And like you said, the the um, uh, situations are never uh, hopeless. It, even even if you can just minimize someone's pain for a short time. But also something you said about uh, I, I think you've tapped into the the ego that that saved you in in Africa uh, recognizing that and it, you know in try and then seeing that same brutality i mean you must have seen human beings dehumanize people a lot mm-hmm. uh and obviously in order to uh to survive situations like that and believe hope remains like seeing that guy's eyes change mm-hmm. you know seeing seeing that potential there and recognizing like yeah so so I wonder what relationship ego um, has to corruption. You know, that the idea that somebody is in such a powerful, destructive attitude towards you and going, I'm going to take everything from you. I don't like what you're doing. I have the control here. I have the power. And then you flipping that back in a way that's not aggression, but it's like, oh, wow, look at you. Like, you're a human. Let me take your picture. And... I just, I just wonder how much we can learn from that in terms of all the things we're seeing. Like, you know, people like Trump and people, you know, all the thing, the the kind of egotistical, power hungry uh, people not seeing the suffering of so many people around them. Mm. What's driving them, and what you know, and what uh, that that sad that, that it took you to to mm. go. Oh, I value you. I, I value enough to take a picture of you. Yeah. That that is what works. So yeah. what is that happening to these human beings? It's always something like an action is, brings a reaction. Yeah. Now it's up to us to see what reaction is that. Yeah. Our animal instincts say that if somebody punches you, you have to punch them back. In that particular situation, it will accelerate my fate. Well, yeah. To fight back. So you have to use your brain... Another thing is just, just if you like, if you like of, of the, the not knowing the culture that you're working with sufficient enough, like to understand, it, there is always there is always a, a universal language, and that's the eyes. The eyes give a lot away. Well, and and also, yeah, exactly. And that is, I mean, well, let's go to that because that's your whole. You're capturing eyes, point mm. eyes all the mm. time. But I guess you, as a photographer and filmmaker, and just a human in that situation, you know, the the second if you're with those, you know, what you're describing is appalling. That what those soldiers were doing mm. to the, that family, mm. appalling. But the moment you dehumanize them. The, the soldiers and go like wait, but but again that's like the like when you're seeing you're literally in front of the most cruel injustices it's isn't it up to us to keep re- yeah reaching for those reaching for the humanity i think mm. in both those situations you've described that that was your in a desperate attempt to lure someone back mm. from that and you did that in loads of different ways yeah i think it i think in many ways that it's when when you're in front of violence, like uh, obvious violence, like uh, shootings and stuff like that, it is hard. It is hard, but it, uh, it comes up in the, the adrenaline hit, hits in and, and, and overdrives that situation. What stays with you, uh, for me as a photographer, are situations where the violence is hidden. And it's just like, for example, that lady crying because of her home. That, or oh, oh, the children looking at her mom. Those are the situations that stay with me more. 
more than than uh, an explosion or because uh, you 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 mentioned carrying trauma, so you know that there's this trauma within that is not having any sort of yeah. outlet, right? Those are the situations where 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 there is nothing you could do about it, and and it hurts you because they empathize with you part parts of your life, moments in your life that you felt the same way. No, obviously in the same conditions, but the level of pain was the same, and. And and yeah, the situation is really, especially with children. Children are something that that the world is ruled by by adults, stupid decisions all the time, and and kids are just being brought here without their knowledge that they didn't ask to be here. Yeah. And when we give them these situations, this suffering, that that's what it hurts me the most is to see a kid. In pain is 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 it, it, it targets me and it scars my brain, my soul, and and sometimes in in many situations I have to. There was a there was a particular story where where uh, I was taking photographs in the refugee camp in Cali, and the police had a, a an operation where they decide to shoot at the people to to move them back. At the directly yeah, at people with uh, rubber bullets right. and, and tear gas, right. um, but they were, the rubber bullets were and the tear gas were aimed to the people. right. Yeah, normally they should be shoot out, so when it lands, it spreads out. Yeah, the rubber bullets are different, but the, the tear gas should be aimed to altitude, and and everybody was running everywhere, and it was very difficult. And the people covering their faces and throwing rocks back. And I was in the middle of this battle taking photographs. And I got some good shots of him. But there was a moment when they started to shoot at us. And, and I was uh, against one of the tents. And the police was shooting behind the tent. And you could feel that rubber bullets hitting the, the tarpaulin. <laughs> Close to you. And you didn't know one moment you could move or no. Because you could get shot and one of the refugees said come on come 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 to me and I look at him and I was gonna move and then suddenly they shot twice the tarpaul was really loud and I look at him and say "Eh, later and he laughed and he started to Mm. laugh on the floor in the mud laughing because my attitude was very funny and then he ran one way and I ran another way and while I got lost in the middle of the of the tents trying to escape I I saw this uh, this little girl which she was completely blind because of the tear gas. She was on the floor in the mud trying to find her teddy bear. It was like teddy bear was dirty, but she was trying to find it and she was crying, covering her eyes. And in that moment, I hold the kelly. First thought was taking that photograph because the light, the suffering, the tarp, the color of the tar pulling around it, the mud, the teddy bear. The composition of that photograph was uh, a, a Pulitzer. It was an incredible image that it could, I, you know, it would represent the suffering of these people. And any other photographer would probably uh, don't think it twice to get that shot. I couldn't do it. I my finger couldn't couldn't press the shooter, so I put the camera down, 
and I uh, grabbed her, and we went to a restaurant and watched, give it to one of the owners of the restaurant. They watched their, their, their eyes, and they found their mom. That photograph, even though it wasn't <laughs> recording my camera, it was recording my brain. And through many nights, many times, that child appears sometimes next to me uh, in the middle of the night. Sometimes when I'm driving, I just see her passing towards the car. Things like that is the image. And it's really hard to, 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 to understand why, why that particular image, because I didn't took it, because I didn't... I didn't press the shooter button and now I can look at the photograph and realize what happened because maybe my brain magnified the suffering of this. Maybe because it was too intense. A million questions mm. start to bombard you. Mm. Why, why, why is this situation happening? How can I get rid of it? Like I, I find out that one of the one of the best ways for me to to move out of that op- mm play a different role with these images is by by art by painting yes and projecting projecting uh, in a canvas something that touched myself in a, in a hard way or in a happy way but obviously happy memories is very easy to live with yeah because they always bring a smile to your to, yeah, your, yeah, to yeah. your face and you don't mind to smile when you're in a room surrounded with people yeah when something brings you a tear to your eyes you want to be on your own, and 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 that's the automatic, you know. It is the automatic, but then I wonder if every because we've been talking about this a lot about uh, being at peace with negative emotions and sad emotions, mm. and um, not at peace, but I well, yeah, being able to sit with them and and recognizing that um, it means you're alive, it means you care, and uh, and I wonder if us actually getting better at at sharing those, like I. Uh, which which will take us to actually talking about how how we then live and what and if it's better to, to to be able to talk about it and maybe cultivating spaces where we aren't afraid to sit down and talk about our most scary experiences ever our our most devastating experiences ever be really honest about how they still affect us today mm. like seeing that image of that girl and thinking because the more you're talking I mean, I mean I'm just thinking you know you are dealing with a lot because you're you're dealing with um the particular art um uh with their social conscious and going to, to you know to war zones and incredibly hard circumstances you know the, this contrast as a, as the photographer where where do I engage and when do I stop and take the photo because mm. both are with beautiful intentions of wanting to to, to share what's going on to make people you know but then also that and so making those decisions is tough and yeah. you know and sometimes you surprise yourself uh, mm. and and the kind of circumstances of that but also um what you are actually seeing you know and yeah. and then holding that with you so uh so many questions your art. We are sitting by some. I'm so privileged to say. Um, tell me, tell me how you discovered that helped you, and and how it helps you. Mm, my, well, art, uh, art has a beautiful story with my, with, um, in my life, and is that 
Uh, it comes from before I was born. So uh, when my when when my uh, grandfather, which now is ninety, it's gonna be ninety four years old. Hey, when's his birthday? He, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna say this anything. year. Is it gonna be ninety four? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So. We'll be, be thinking of you. Yeah. When 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 he was a little boy, he um, we uh, come from a native Indian uh, community. So it's a big part of us uh, in our DNA, which comes from the Amazons. And we, he has a particular treatment because of his blood and because of his race. And end up living as a young boy in the house of a German couple that was living in Colombia at the time. And the man was a photographer. And one of his first jobs, apart of being uh, working in the house, uh, his first jobs were coloring, was coloring photographs because in that time the pictures were in black and white. So he has to uh, color the skin tones and the, the imagine how the, 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 what kind of coat was it? Was it blue? Was it red? Imagine mm. to try to create these beautiful images. Yeah, you can have a bit creative license. Be like, oh, I didn't really like that coat color. I'm going to make it like emerald. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and he, he started to, to do that and then slowly, slowly he worked made his way, boy camera, made his way as a wedding yeah. photographer and a first communion. Uh, and, and he started to work like that. And his children used to help him sometimes. And one day he 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 decided to to have a meeting and, and asked him, okay, look, this is a photographic camera, as you know. I'm going to, I don't want you to be a photographer, but I'm going to teach you about photography because if in one part of your life you don't know where what you're going to do or you're starving or you're in a different country you don't know what to do this will help you to survive and after i don't know what he told them but after that talk all of them become to be photographers except for one that is a teacher <laughs> it's a smart move dad and <laughs> i'm all in the family biz <laughs> so so they're different kind of like journalism so yes. the, the different kind of areas but uh, my dad was involved more into journalism, and he he belonged to that time where Latin America was going through big changes. Mm-hmm. The revolution, you could smell that revolution everywhere, and the people was starting to educate themselves about changes, about oppression, about how a different reality could be possible if we join together and we fight. So the Cuban revolution just, just happened and, and and everybody was very, very excited with the idea of being able to change the whole continent. So there were a lot of there was a lot of struggle to to finish the oppression. And it was a perfect time for journalism, it was a perfect time to tell stories of of people dreaming about changing the course of the world, yeah. owning their own continent again. So he started to take photographs uh, in all these places, and it was so beautiful, the images that he had, that for me, sitting down with him uh, in the house and looking at the slides yeah. coming yeah. in against the wall, and he was telling the stories, and at the same time, it was a time of bohemian... Uh, uh, Bohemia was everywhere in Latin America so while the slides were passing on the wall 
their friends were playing guitar. Oh my god! And unison with the with the with the images, and somebody stop the photograph, and a friend comes with a poetry, and and oh. and, and, and that growing up in that. So you you were just surrounded by art. Surrounded by art, and my mom was a painter, yes, a yeah. fantastic painter and a sculptor. And I used to take classes uh, because she was. Uh, Oh, yes, yes, please. <laughs> she, used to, she used to take me to her university and she didn't have any um, babysitting or anything to so put me when she was giving the classes in the university, put me in the desk with, with clay and painting and, and just see myself trying to copy whatever she was doing. Uh, so I was, I was surrounded by uh, by that world. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, just And encouraging all the class to just be children. You were just like... You're an inspiration before you even knew it. Yeah, love it. So it was it was very a strong uh, oversaturation of art and, and well, images. It, and it was, and then very naturally, did it just become your hobby then? Well, I started helping my dad, and I got okay. my first camera when I was seven years old. I got a first camera that was a plastic camera. And Is it here? Similar Shut to up. this one. That's it's, it. No, it's very. Oh. It's, a, it's the same. I bought it afterwards. The, plastic camera but it was beautiful and, yeah. and I use it and and then it was that this relationship and, and then growing up unfortunately my dad had to have to leave the country then uh, there were hard times there were hard times going there and, and trying to trying to imagine what would it be to be guided by by him you 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 fascinate yourself with these stories that happen. This 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 courage of trying to identify or find the truth behind certain situations, and and that started from school, and then it moved into uh, covering protests in the university and taking photographs of your friend that is suffering because of certain situation, and it's that the the sense of humanity start to grow up and then you realize that the camera becomes to be in a way a weapon a weapon of, of right. denounce the truth you know the, right. to 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 portray what really is happening and you realize the similarities with it 36 shots only for one film you have a scope yeah you have a strap yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, the yeah. similarity with a, with, a, with a weapon is very similar, but you're portraying, you're capturing truth. You're not destroying, you're creating. Absolutely. That's the difference between the two. And that's the way that I, that I approached yeah. my students to, to, to entice them with, with the willingness of learning photography. It's basically like you have to find a hook. And that's, yes. that's, that's how normally I, I, I tell them about it. It, 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 did you um, when did you start uh, teaching as well as being an artist yourself when I when I uh, arrived to England first you know moving to another country is learning to to be born again learning to yeah. walk in a way learning to speak learning to relate with other people that doesn't share the same background the same culture that you have yeah. you have to Listen more than anything else. Listen before you learn to talk. Yeah. Listen, listen. I mean, I honest, that's a good metaphor for us all in any situation. Mm, listen. listen, listen. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's very important. Yeah, and yeah. That's why we have two ears <laughs> and one mouth. There you go. <laughs> that is that. Yeah. 
So true. And and when so when I arrive here, there I have to go through the whole process again, and then I have to put myself in in a, in a situation where where I gonna be? How can I be? You you encounter racism in, in a very very polite way. Oh God, yeah, it's horrendous. Mm. I think there's a term micro, yeah, microaggressions or micro, yeah, it's just embedded within a culture. Yeah, yeah. jobs and how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The application, your job application didn't go accepted because somebody else, obviously, and and, and you you were the only qualified for that, but it doesn't matter, and things like that. I worked in, in Soho, in a production company, for many years. And then I realized that I wasn't going to progress any farther than, than if I had to, if I just do it myself. Right. So I started to work, open a production company, and, and uh, did a few documentaries. Uh, uh, did a, a documentary in Botswana, which is a long, long piece, a very, very important. And, and, and in that moment was where my social conscience came back in, in working in Africa, in Botswana. Okay. This documentary was about uh, trying to. Uh, the government of Botswana found uh, diamonds in the Kalahari Desert mm-hmm. and declared the Kalahari Desert, which is the habitat for the Matsawa community, the Bushmen, as, they, as the vulgar is like called, that it's no, it's no good for them to be in the Kalahari Desert anymore, mm. even though they've been. Well, from the creation of the humanity, basically, because we, pe- uh, people say that the, the, the humankind comes from the Kalahari Desert, from this particular community. Wow. And, and they decide that they are not good for, to be there anymore. And they put them in the reservation camps. And after certain, after two, three years, a community, like 10, a family, escaped from them, one of the reservations and moves into the Kalahari, and it's a big problem. So the idea was to go into the Kalahari, find them, track them, track the community, find them, interview them, and prove that they can live there, and how. And that's, that was the idea. So when, when, when we finally did it and meet them and realized that we, you know, the, the knowledge that they had is incredible mm, how mm. to survive in a place like that and they can prove it over and over to the to the fact that they actually end up feeding us because we were running out of food. Well, I know, yeah, and the risk of you going out and be like, oh, they can't, and we're screwed. Uh, yeah, so they just, yeah, so your expectations were met and then some, you know, by mm. what you experienced. And the poverty and the contrast of, 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 of the rich communities live there, the rich people live there in, in the country and, and the communities. That obviously creates a, a sense of responsibility. Yeah. And uh, another thing that, 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 that happens is that living in countries like England, you do have more opportunities. You have a safety net that is that allows you to experiment with opportunities and with with uh, challenges and mm. with dreams mm. that you don't have in other countries. Mm. So I'm gonna try to have a coffee shop and work really hard to to put this coffee shop and it work or no. Mm. 
mm. you you have the chance to try it, at least for certain people. There is a mar- there's a margin of people that obviously they cannot do it here because they, they live in very, very low conditions. Yeah, and the and will perspective as well, you know, their the conditions, yeah, can be... You uh, know, in England as well as poverty. It's a very, absolutely. A very, very we'll talk, yeah. poverty. But not with the same magnitude that the rest of the world. Like Where you know, whole countries are completely... Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Where you have 80% of population living in, in infrahumane communities. Inhumane conditions, no jobs there, like, yeah. No water. No water. Yes. Yeah, no water. So, you know, that that sense of, like, I felt very grateful and very, very lucky to be here and and say, okay, well, if, if I can, if I can give something back, if I can do, orientate my, my, my career and into something that brings back, allowing me to do what I love. Yeah. Which that by itself is something amazing, allowing you to do what, what you love the most, but helping to bring a message, helping to denounce uh, things, inhumane things that are, that are bothering other people, that are making other people suffer. That would be enough for me. And can I just uh, delve a bit deeper in that? What do you love about it? What do you love about About, about the photography? Yeah, what are, if you can, I know it's so difficult, but like what, those feeling like what is it about it? You've already talked about truth so much, and it being a weapon yeah. for truth. Yeah. It? And I love about about photography has the power to dissect a situation, to distract, to bring people together, to change uh, structures that are formed in a society to entice, to make people dream and believe that they can they can do something different for the community just based with a, with a photographic camera. And I will give an example of this to make it more clear. Mm-hmm. For, the fa- for the last uh, 12, 14 years, I've been working um, as a, with, with photography, but I've been specializing as well with lately with, with participatory photography. Yes, which is incredible. Yeah. So working with uh, in communities or places where uh, they have suffered um, certain situations, um, trauma, uh, for example, gang members in in London, yes. or people at the edge of democracy in certain uh, countries in Africa where, where democracy is something unseen and suddenly how democracy has been taken or uh, poor people in the favelas or in, in Peru. Situations like people in in, in Sri Lanka with uh, after the tsunami. Situations like that that are really hard and create certain levels of, 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 of trauma or Stigma, they get stigmatized by the by the rest of the community, and they don't want to talk about it. They get pushed aside. With these participatory photography workshops, you give them a camera and a promise that you're gonna teach them photography. You don't wanna talk about what happened. You don't want to know what happened. You don't know. Uh, you don't want to know how the soldiers acted that way or treat you that way or what happened. You. Like for example, in the refugee camp, uh, the refugee camp, some of the atrocities that happened to my students were, were 
impossible to speak of. They were so sad. And they don't want to talk about it because it's too painful. But with the cameras, you teach them to, to, to talk about photography and how we're going to do this and teach them to, to, uh, how to focus, how to do the shot, portrait style, and blah, blah, blah. And they get really excited and they talk about it. Oh, I love this picture because of this. I love this picture because of that. And how can you do it different? I can do it like this. I can do it like that. Okay, I have a, I have a, a homework. Today we're going to do treasure hunt. Mm. We're going to do five different shots. You're going to take a photograph of something that is really tall, something that is very small, something round, something red, something that makes you happy. The first four shots are very easy. And then in a refugee camp, what makes me happy? Mm -hmm. As a 14-year-old boy, Mm -hmm. as a 11-year-old girl, my teddy bear, why makes me happy? Why makes me happy? Because my father gave it to me. Okay, that's it. Carry on, move on. Then we go back to that. Why? When did your father give it to you? Oh, before we leave Syria. Where is your father? He died. Okay, good. Now let's take a photograph of something that makes you sad, something that makes you like this. And slowly, slowly, those stories start to come out through images and captions. It's a safe way of, of, just, of going back there. Because they have total control of how much they want to talk about it how much they want to open up to it, and it's in their own pace. And in a tangible outlet that, like you said, is very present. There's a focus. You, you, you're you working with machinery. Like it's, it, it, it's tangible. It's an art form. It's there. And it, I don't know, that, that, that escape for a little bit to then circle back to what what is driving then my art because it has to come from my heart and my soul and what's in my heart and soul at the moment. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then when they see these images and the captions and they represent it visually, they can see that what happened to them was hard, but they can put it on, on paper. Then in a, in a funny way, they own that. They understand. They they understand, and they are not ashamed of it in a way. They they wanna. So normally we create these exhibitions, where the rest of the community comes, look at what these people went through, mm-hmm. and sympathize with them, mm-hmm. like empathize, like oh, I, I have that happened to me. That happened to my father. That yes, yes. Can I? Oh, I can feel your pain. Yes. And, and how can we move forward? No. Yes. So. Many situations is is, is, is is fascinating how this works, especially when you come back to the community after a certain time. In Africa, there was a, there was a man who said to me, like, when I got the workshop, I didn't believe in it. But now, two years later, I, I have to tell you that I, this camera that was given to me had saved at least 20 lives of children. I say, how, how is that possible? Well, I live in a in a house very close to the river, and normally kids play there all the time by the river, and sometimes they fall off and the river takes them away, and so many kids die. Many years we talk to the government, we talk to every nobody changed anything. A lot of kids die. One day I was coming back from work, and I saw two fishermen dragging this little boy. He was probably seven years old, and he was dead. He drowned in the river. They were dragging him out of the of the water. 
And the first thing that I did was I need to take this picture. I, I took the photograph. And then I went to town and I printed and I laminated and I nailed that picture to every tree around the river. No more children play there anymore. Oh they went to the other side. Wow. That was, that was the same the reaction power I had. Of the image. The power of the and image. And that's how, how, how much I had this, 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 this you know, uh, the training and how much I talk about photography by saying that was a very, very interesting, you know, it surprised me. Yeah. That I never thought was going to be possible. And I believe in the tool so much. Yeah. But for the community to take it and change the dynamics of that community yeah. is incredible. And, the, and, and there's almost something in there, you know, we're talking about value and then you working in situations where people feel so undervalued and so forgotten and mm. so lost. And I think, you know, uh, either if they're just presenting the world around them and uh, or it's of of them, like it's like a way of going, I'm here, mm. I see, I have a voice. And, and almost, you know, that uh, it sort of acts to me as a metaphor for, you know, something that's going around our communities all the time now at the, you know, in terms of quite um, divisive political goings on and everything, you know, to, to use your voice. Use your voice. And if you can, uh, and the amplification of an image, you know, we've seen that through, you know, there's iconic political images that have changed the way people have seen. And and, and you literally had that in your living room growing up and also saw the impact it had on a group of you. You were a collective from really young, it sounds like. (laughs) So you're almost having a microcosm for like, oh, we're all being changed. I see that. We are going to hone in on Calais because um, uh, we both, uh, I've learned a bit about it from Good Chance Theatre and then meeting you and your book, Voices of the Jungle, which I'm going to publicise so much on this podcast. (laughs) Thank you. I've had the great gift of having a very brief look at it this morning and I can't wait to um, look at it more. It's basically uh, based on you going out there for a year um, uh, lots of different points through that year, doing these um, workshops, which you've already talked about, um, and and then you publishing a book of your own uh, shots of your time there and being, uh, as you said, you know, establishing the truth. Uh, and what better way can you do that um, by uh, photographic evidence? And also from everything I've read about your website, everything I know about you as a person so far in the limited time Thank we've known you. each other, you um, are a very, yeah, empathetic, empathetic and caring human being. And you say on your website, you know, the, the connections with people first, you know, and, and getting to know people around you and, and building that will flesh out anything you create from then on because uh, you're engaged with it. Um, but with that comes a, a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of energy I guess and a lot of uh, mental and physical you know you're putting your body and your brain and your heart through a lot mm. um, and being away from your family uh, and things like that and and basically I'm just really interested in um, how uh, how you have learned to cope with the challenges of that and uh, what, what uh, maybe times yeah things that have worked things that haven't worked but how you centre back 
to you in that scenario to go, oh, well, I actually need to be here in order to get the shot. And if I'm depleted, kind of, you know, how how we feel that. Because Calais, as we've talked about, uh, volunteers ran from far and wide with the best intentions and in an incredibly humbling way. But there was no authorities there to to be a um, a break point. So people were working seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Mm to breaking point and and all being faced with such distressing situations that suddenly your own mental and physical health can take a real back seat because you're like well I have yeah. a home to go back to yeah. so you have had so much experience of this before you even went to Calais so I wonder you know did Calais how was Calais different let's in in the in in other parts of the world when you go to work in this field, do you you expect in a horrible way misery? You expect uh, to see horrible images, sometimes uh, situations that are no they they are not right because humans shouldn't be living like that in those conditions. But you, in a way, go prepared to that and. You'd never get used to it. No, I've never. But you you understand that the situations that are happening are hard, well, and yeah. and it is it is what it is. You know, we always have this similar that like this vision of Africa being in certain way, and and it's never projected the beauty of Africa. They are the most, oh like, which gosh. is incredible, and and the the their heart of their people, and how how amazing it is to be there. But that gets, you know, always neglected by the media. It's always the mystery and the, the sadness and the horrors and the wars and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So you go there with this mentality, especially when you work, you're going to, you don't go as a tourist, you're going to work in these communities. So you're yeah. not going to go traveling. And, uh, no, you're going to the situation. You're going to go there. And you're there, you're there to do something, anything you can to to project back and keep reminding the world around Africa that one, it's got this vibrancy and joy as well, but also how is it still, you know, mm. suffering in the way it is. But yeah, so... but the, So you got there and... Yeah. So America is the same, you, as, a, as, a, as a Latin American. Uh, you know, you people, you know where to go, you know where it's dangerous, where are there. So working in the... In the, in, uh, the favelas in Peru... Uh, you know that that there are moments that are not going to be nice and, and, and situations. Now, work, uh, the the jungle changed everything because, and it was really strong for me because this refugee camp was one hour from London and one hour from Paris. In other words, there is no excuse for something like that to have existed. There is no excuse for somewhere like that to be to be there and and people suffering the circumstances and and in the way that they they have suffering that place and that make it even worse in a way that make it that so hard to 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 walk out of the camp for half an hour and just by walking and go to a McDonald's yeah. and and see cars passing by with caravans of uh, full of wine going to England like in a bus yeah. cross and you know all of this incredible way of life just passing in front of the, the, the eyes of these people and, and and 
an understanding as well that they want a piece of them. They want yeah. the emigration. I'm an I'm an immigrant, and I know that you 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 move away because you need to, because there is nothing than your own food. There is nothing than your music. There is nothing better than your people and your your friends and all of these things that warm your heart so much. And the only reason why you have to go somewhere else is because you have to. Because animals and birds don't leave the place where they were born by by choice. They yes. live because nature, because the weather is changing and they have to move to feed somewhere else and yes. then come back. So is this instinct of survival that make us they make us move, they make us adapt, they make us smile when it's two degrees outside and saying, I'm not used to this, but come on, carry on and yeah. ooh, so cold, whatever, <laughs> carry yeah. on. So all these people seeing every day their countries being destroyed by our wars. Exactly. Taking our risk, taking their resources from their countries yeah. and saying, I want, I want to be happy. I want to have a life. I want, I want to be with my uncle that lives in Bristol and he has a restaurant and he's offering me a work, uh, some kind of job and, and, and I can be there in one hour and a half. My life could be different. How can I achieve that? How can I, how can I, I just need to cross the border. I need to cross somehow. And, and seeing them every morning wake up with so much hope leaving their tents when they've been sleeping all night, freezing, having a shower with freezing water, getting ready, combing their hair, getting ready, trying to be as impeccable as possible, trying to look okay with dignity. They have this dignity everywhere. And then waiting until six o'clock when it starts to get dark to hide in a truck, get inside for fridge, inside the truck, somewhere like that, or jumping on a train to make it to the promised land no and having this dream every single day failing and coming back i didn't die trying today maybe tomorrow maybe tomorrow i make it maybe not but i already travel all this distance for this dream and i'm not going to give up now so not only are you in this yeah in this or a place that is not habitable in a human way Although, although the amazing attempts of people there making it so, and that's incredible. You say, you know, that in the worst possible situations to, you know, to still, you know, put on your best clothes and and present yourself out to the world. But are you so, but then you're coping with this also, seeing the people you're meeting every day going out to risk their lives. And you're saying this is every day, like a lot of people in the jungle have this routine. Every, every, every day. day. And you see the kids... And the and kids cough. trying to play with a piece of wood as if it was a car in the middle of the mud. And they smile at you and you can help to look into their teeth and see how rotten they are, how much attention, medical attention need. And these no children one's coming. Nobody's happy. You know, some, some organizations were there. Yes, Like yes. Mets and San Frontier were there and, and other people. But it wasn't enough because... The camp was never declared as a refugee camp, so that avoided immediately the the need for other organizations to come. 
And in a way, that's a, a big advantage that the French government has because they can kick out the people anytime that they want because it's an, it's an illegal settlement instead of Which a refugee Which they camp. ended up doing, hmm. but after a very long time. Yeah. So when I arrived there, immediately took my camera, hang it to my neck, and I started to walk around. I didn't take one photograph because... Because that's that's what everybody does. They arrive there and die, this is my land. Take photos. I hang my camera. I make sure that everybody saw that I was taking a camera, but I didn't take a picture. I was just hanging around, went with a very very good friend of mine, and it slowly slowly I start to ask people, "Is it okay if I take this picture? Is it okay? Okay, my friend, take a picture. Okay, my friend." And slowly slowly start to earn the trust. It was very hard for the two of us to 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 go there, and 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 for him for him as well to see that. And that night we talk and talk and talk about it. And then my my connection with the place start to start to build, yeah, and start create settlements, and, and I I couldn't leave anymore. I have to go back somehow. I have to go back. What do I have to offer? You cannot just go back as a photographer. You have to do something else. So I talked to another friend. And we decided to open up a, a, like a, a series of workshops. Yes. And we create a welcome to our jungle. Yes. And it was the same thing, participatory photography. Uh, meeting some of the people there and give them a platform for them to express what was happening through photography. We did those series of workshops and then... Slowly, slowly, when when that finished, an exhibition happened in the dome, in this in the middle of the jungle. But then, by that point, I used to walk around everywhere with the camera, talking to people, and just, uh, take a photograph, and next day print it and bring it to them. Oh my god! Mohammed, what's up, my friend? This is your picture. Oh, please, <laughs> please, my friend, take a photograph with me and my wife. Oh. Okay, take a photograph. Come back next day. Mohammed. With my cousin and then, and then my my children and then suddenly you become to be the, the the people's photographer and everybody yes. was like ah he's okay he can take pictures nobody else yes he yes. can take photographs and 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 in, and and in that place was very very difficult to 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 be a photographer because uh, if you take photographs of okay these people. Uh, is arriving from they have to cross many countries to be in in in, in England but they are, they are stuck in Calais the law says that as a refugee you have to claim uh, asylum in the first country that you land yes yes so if these people have been crossing so many European countries and all that they shouldn't be there. Well, they we had the same thing, a good chance, you know, having to make sure we had permission from every single person if we took any footage for the news or anything like exactly. that because you could be putting people's lives in danger. Yes, yeah. totally. And and it's very important not to show their face. So so that's that's a different situation here now. So we are playing with not the normal rules of photography anymore. Yes, yes. We have to find a way that creates symbology. Photography with right. symbology that represents an idea. Right. That's why in the book yes. you don't see a full face of somebody or everything in the book. All the images in the book are uh, symbology photography of the messages that they were trying to project. 
Well, and so that's in me in terms of adaptability, you know, that shows that you, you know, hitting all these roadblocks, but going, no, there is, let's be imaginative about this. How can we still use our art? And it sounds the way you're describing it. This is why I'm really interested in how you decompress something like this because, or after it, because it's such a dichotomy of probably some of the most joyful experiences you've ever had in terms of, in terms of the, the finding the light in the dark, you know, and, uh, but also, um, then actually stepping away because you, you, I guess you go into two modes. So when you're there, you're in the mode of, I am the people's photographer. I, I, that's, that's what I can do. And I can bring that joy and we can have these moments. And I'd be really interested to know a couple of the biggest memories you have of that. Um, but then also then you step away and you, the reality of the situation is so dire. So, uh, what, uh, yeah. What if I say to you, some of the most, the happiest memories from seeing how humanity can thrive in such utter horror inside the camp inside the camp and your connections because you said i said what's the first thing you think of when we were looking at the book earlier and you said nostalgia and nostalgia is a mixture of these emotions because that shows how much you your heart is was there with them as well Hmm. i think one of the most uh, beautiful moments is when when i was sleeping in my car and i heard this big uh, sound coming from outside and everybody was laughing and everybody was screaming and and it seemed that someone somewhere in the camp won the lottery. At that point, some, something happened that created so much joy. It could be something like that. And the communal joy is immediate because yeah. we're all connected, yeah. At the laughter, at the camaraderie. Yeah, and we are yeah, talking yeah. about 11, 12 different nations. Yes! I know, I know. Six, seven different languages, three different religions, all sharing the same wave of humanity and 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 and, and feeling that laughter, that emotion, no, yeah. shared between amongst all of these people that have been living in countries that two of them have been in war for so many years now, living next to each other, mm. sharing this joy. And now, what is happening? What is something going on? And you break into the multitude, trying to find what's going on through the crowd, and it's because one of them found a cat. And they are all sharing this beautiful white and black cat that that never seen before, and it looks so fantastic. And they are all yeah. sharing and holding, it and they all like queuing to to be able to stroke it. That cat did not know what it stumbled into. It's, it's like, like I am the most <laughs> famous cat in all the land. That's amazing. Yeah, and so that that kind of beauty of like doesn't matter how horrible the day has been, how much water went inside my tent how wet my clothes are and and how sick I am. I still can find joy in something so simple. Yeah. So natural, so unimportant. It's it's something that we don't, we here in this world, we are losing touch with. I agree. And that's, 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 that's that connection with that. When you say as after how, how you cope with that when you're in places like these, you realize they they make you don't realize they they remind you every second that you're lucky with your life, yeah, and your any problem that you have back where you live or, or whatever, it's not really that big compared to what they're going through. Mm. So you really swallow your 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 problems and your and your <laughs> your situation swallow. Eh? And you are there 
to experience something completely different and to understand their humanity. From what you're saying, you know, the gratitude you feel at how lucky you are, you know, and that that is such a, it's the biggest glance of like, you know, the accident of birth and realising the privilege you have. And so when we're talking about the volunteers, you know, because I think uh, uh, something that strikes my sort of brain is that um, that can actually be very overwhelming as well. You can feel very guilty at that. You can feel, um, therefore, very addicted to um, to helping because if you're not helping, you're just sitting in your privileged little cocoon. Mm. And the realities of that is quite damaging to the soul because obviously you can't help where you were born. And this idea of putting the gas mask on yourself to be able to help someone else. Yeah, I think we've talked about that a little bit, to be able to be fully Mm. present and kind of the self-care needed to give so much because if you're giving 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 without any sort of pause to check in with yourself it will deplete it will run out uh so uh i've seen and experience has taught me and and like you were saying the impact of volunteers in calais um you know there, there weren't extra bodies there uh people were working around the clock so i'd be interested to know Was it commonplace? Did you find yourself sharing with other volunteers the experiences you were going through as you were there? And did it help? I think uh, the beauty of the... of To to start with this, we have to to have an x-ray on what was the jungle itself. Right. And the jungle was a settlement that uh, people who wanted to go to the United Kingdom started to to live in this piece of land very close to the sea, very close to the ports, and it was the best route for people to go there. When the Syrian war happened, the amount of people that displaced from that place to try to make it into the UK magnified. And there were many other countries that were suffering abuse and they joined the caravan of people that, that wanted to come here. We still see many of them trying to arrive. The urges for uh, to have a better life, to to share, to, to meet up with their families in the UK and all of that was so intense, but the frustration of not being able to cross because of the security was as equal. They decided because of dignity, to create a settlement, to live where where they where they were stuck, with better conditions. So, with very very short amount of time, we start to realize that uh, where everybody's living in tents, and then because because of donations of people, then suddenly people start to find wood and start to create a restaurant. Yeah, and then there is a school, and there is a library, and containers and as well became a big thing, didn't it? More containers warm, yeah. and, and time to find the best way to live, and yeah. and then suddenly this road, this these places have roads and little avenues and little, you know, there was a whole map of it. Yeah, and a place like the jungle that it was ruled ruled by anarchy, yeah, in the most pure way. Yeah, we always see anarchy as like someone an act of rebellion and violence, no? Molotov 
bombs throwing to cars and that's no anarchy none this this place was anarchy itself it was unwritten laws uh, ruled by the elders of every community uh-huh. people even though there was a lot of horrible things that happened there there was a common sense of like I, I don't gonna do that to this person because it's gonna be an action and a reaction so yes yes we, you know this kind of unwritten rules so like no, no police Unless it was the police from the army, from the from the French government, but no, their own police. There were there were gangs and there were different things, but it was it was very unique place, a, a mecca of different cultures, different food, different music, languages, something very very incredible. I mean, in Babylonia, of the, yeah. you know, this mix of, of of different situations, and I was very very lucky to experience that. Now. This all of this is possible because at the same time there were a lot of volunteers that were arriving from different parts of England. And because there were no very big NGOs helping these refugees, somehow the word got spread and many people feel the necessity of I, I need to go and help. I need to go and you know, see what it is and donate something and just go and help for a weekend that mm-hmm. we can become to be a week and two months and three months and then you see as I describe in my book little hippie soldiers armed with guitars and walking around saying hey Amit do you have a pair of shoes do you have this okay I'll see you tomorrow and and, and, and trying to set trying to help as much as they can without something that is very important and it's training yeah in situations like this Mm -hmm. Especially when when you're so young, and you go there and confront a necessity and horror, the people that has been escaping from very very strong violence yeah. and trauma, and 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 then suddenly all these stories, even just the stories, when they get unloaded on you, mm-hmm. and you never experience anything like that, mm-hmm. you it really breaks you because it opens a window to your eyes about the condition of the human guy. Yeah. How far can we go in both ways? Mm-hmm. And 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 we hear in movies, we hear in books and, and and but to 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 meet someone that has experienced that from first hand is very, very strong. And many many of the people that were there for living in their cars in the same way that I was when it was time, when it was the eviction, many of them they couldn't see the eviction happen, so they decided to go before it happened. Oh, did they? Many, many did. Many stay yeah. and decide to, you know, record it and yeah. put it into film, photography. And because they, they needed to see it, but but it was it was a collapse of your whole structure as, as, as what you were and the place that you've been living for such a long time. It was breaking down. The well, friends then- that you had... Yeah, and I just it, it breaks down to that the protection you've built in yourself for it. Yeah, yeah, the links that you had. Yeah, yeah, and every day stories like one of them driving somewhere in the middle of the night, dump him very close to the border so they can make it, and waiting all night for a for a text message that never came. Is that sorry? Is that a volunteer who did mm. that for someone? Yeah. Did he make it? Did he know? Did he yeah. die? All these questions, 
all this suddenly my friend what do you what do you think i should do shall i jump in the bus <sighs> i don't know so you are kind of being asked to be an advisor on all and you'd had to as, have a a friend, as a friend as a f- exactly yeah and you know that your answer can 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 completely Sorry. change the course of the life of this person it's a lot of responsibility. It's a huge responsibility. It's a, every single every single day of something similar to, I got wounded. The police hurt me. They, they, you know, and these kids were no no no, no capable. They were acting on the best uh, scenario possible in the, in the, with the best heart. They were trying to, to to guide them, but at the same time that that not training that the, the the fact that they didn't have any training at all put the the, the refugees in a, in a in very 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 dangerous situations and put themselves into into a big risk as well do volunteers all sit down together once a week and talk to each other about the, what they've been through each week or yes, how did that happen uh, there was a there was a process of of learning there was a learning curve going 24/7 and 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 i have to say that place the 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 volunteers that were there, all the all the people that was helping the refugees, they, they create the suffering of these people much lesser. They 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 really really helped them to live with the little bit that they could be there with dignity. Yeah. And so they create incredible things. Uh, I read the volunteers that were they were superheroes. It was something incredible. Yeah. Too. And they live. So many experienced and and nurtured so many relationships and they met so many people that coming back in here yeah creates an emptiness yeah. creates um and I haven't met anybody that doesn't look at the jungle as something horrific but at the same time with nostalgia so I think I think the the very very hard work that the the volunteers did is something that it deserve deserve recognition by the government by 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 entities that completely ignore the situation there. Yeah, these little kids, well, little kids were young uh, teenagers and 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 older. They did the job that is supposed to have done by the by these governments, and they actually took hands on and did it and help and move into legal ways of how to bring children in here and I mean I mean it's incredible the work that they did the, the, you included the by the way you keep saying that no, you included no. I, I don't like you know but it's true well this and that do you, so you that I it's a, a point a, a brilliant point and do you think to still to this day with the volunteers you're still in touch with who were there like do you feel that there is a, a need still for some outlet for people for some you know like a government uh, run, um, you know, hearing what they have to say about the situation, having a, a community group. Like, how does do you think? Do you feel? You know, well, I'll, oh, okay. So that takes me to your art, your painting that you say helps you so much to get through these situations. That's something you found. How does that help you um, get through uh, your work? Because your work is. You know, you is is amazing, but it comes with a lot of emotional baggage. It is it is hard. Um, um, I think my my my, my 
yeah, doing this work and they have moments when when you start to question many things. May, question um, your reality and how important it is, your work and the things that you do. And you need to find anchors that help you to to cope with the reality that you live in. For me, the 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 the, ang- the biggest anchor I have is my two children, which yes. which is all they, they come back t- uh, to me and and are present in many many situations when I when I decide is this photograph worth it to take the risk or is this is this moment is 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 and then the the image of my kids come to my mind and I say no it doesn't worth it or, or sometimes I can measure the risks based on them they they are my my ground to to because of one simple reason they 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 didn't ask me to bring them to this world and i have managed to 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 see the reality of this world in ways that many other people have and unfortunately or fortunately and i know how hard this work this world can be and yeah. and how even harder it can be without a father yeah so they that creates a responsibility that brings sense to me and say, okay, come on, really? Let's not take this chance. Let's, uh, I want to see Winona. I want to see Tito again. And, and let's just move on. And sometimes sometimes you, you have to overpass that in order to, to, to really portray what something is happening. But but you really have to, that they make me think about it really, really with a magnified glass, those risk, those situations are really, really hard to deal. And then also your um, your mental health um, when you're at home, and how to how to find your your joy when you're having those images of that girl, or yeah. you know when things are coming back to haunt you a little bit, like how you can bring a sense of peace and joy to your life. That then, like you've said about the mirrors, that then you can mirror to your children. You yeah. know, like. And the, and the bridge as well, which is like yes. basically you're trapped, you're a bridge between between these two realities of uh, working in a country that it's the pain is really hard and, and, and they're, they're the people in the community suffering uh, because they don't have water, because they don't have the like the common human rights. The, it's a lack of the common human rights. And then suddenly you, you six hours, seven hours away from the people that you live with at home and with with, with your kids and, and, you know, you hear the man next to you complaining, angry because he doesn't have a Wi-Fi. And you go to that reality on and on and you have to understand that you're in the middle. You're, you're a bridge of these two realities and it's not their fault in this side and it obviously is not their fault in this one. And and, and you cannot take it on, on on any of it. You have to be, you have to learn to dance that little tango. Yeah. Step by step, little by little, you have to, you have to, you have to learn to, to live with it, but it does affect you. It yeah. does it does create this series of questions. Does it work? It does it does it, is, is it good enough? And 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 then this is when art comes, and that frustration of being that bridge. You don't know for how long you're gonna hold. Yes, no, that's a perfect <laughs> analogy. You can't let the bridge collapse. No. Yeah. So then then you. Put it on a canvas and 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 spit the colors and, and they, yeah they're so colorful and I love what what why the massive teeth and mouth on these 
these what what because that's such a prominent feature and I love it and I love Frida out there and but and so what what is that to do with you like going bring the joy that that's exactly that's yeah. a, it's exactly that it's when you go to some places and you come back broken and then you have to be you have to put this massive laughter when you talk to other people around because it's magnified it's magnified there to bring joy but at the same time inside it's hard it's it's not the same you know yeah. so it's a forced smile it's a forced smile of like that's it's, interesting it is not there really it's, it's you have to magnify it because otherwise if you if you don't people can see farther and when the people can see farther they ask questions that sometimes you're not going to be able to to answer with the most happy Oh God, I've asked a lot of questions today, Miguel. That's been me. But I wonder, do you find it? And again, if any of this is too personal, just say, Jenny, shut up. But (laughs) then, um, uh, I mean, because we relate, we're very similar in that respect of putting on this, you know, smiles, very smiley people. Do you find it easier now to? um, Because obviously, the laughter is important to soothe your soul as well, and to make you not go mad with everything you're dealing with, and to have a laugh and smile. Do you find it? easier to be truthful and vulnerable about the difficulties of your experiences with others or do you still find that tough i i find that i find it difficult i find that hard i find sometimes sometimes i remember going to therapy for a little bit mm-hmm. because i was very frustrated about some of the memories and some of the dreams i was having and, and and I concentrate, sit down on the sofa, and uh, give me a, uh, a cup of coffee, and I was talking about something that I saw, experienced really hard, and, and, and when I turn around, my therapist is crying. And I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> if the therapist is broken, <laughs> that's that, not good. <laughs> that's answering all my questions. I'm like, oh, good, okay, that's, that's, that's it, man. <laughs> that's not going to be <laughs> Any help coming through? Obviously, I don't know. Maybe something that I say maybe touched some elements of her life or of her past. But it, it was hard to see that. It was hard to, to see that kind of like response. Well, does it make you reflect on your resilience that you've built? Because you know, I, I've, if I'm honest, I've struggled quite a bit listening to so, but not you know, in a way that I'm, I. It's so important, but it and. But you, I guess, because you see so much, and you are, you become a strength for so many, you know, uh, to uh, to then someone else, you know, you, yeah, you. It must be tough, I guess, to be vulnerable and realize that your vulnerability, uh, the people next to you are going to have a sudden explosion of emotion that you might then feel, oh, okay, no, and then you become the carer as well. Whereas, who's going to care for you? Yes. That's my question. Yes. Like. So how this is the syndrome yeah. we were talking before. This is the, the yeah. And uh, and I think it, I think it's true. I think we we, we we both suffer from from this situation. It's like basically that need of making everything okay. That that is like it's it's it's, it's, it's going to be okay. I can, I I kind of break the situation because it's going to bring instability. And I can if I can do something about it, I will do it. Even though the thing that I'm doing is breaking me. Yeah. You know, and but I, but it's okay because I'm strong, and later on I can glue it all back together. Yeah, but then I would say to you what I'm really interested in, and I think you do so brilliantly, and you're doing it now. And but it's that it's that idea of um, 
Because one of the first things you said to me was being able to sit with negative emotions and stare them in the face and being brave and processing. So you're acknowledging that's all there. Mm. And, and then knowing that if other people see that, that's a gift to them as well. Because they're because you don't, you know, you it's showing your um because because like you said, volunteers are superheroes, but um they are all superheroes are actually human beings. So yeah. I view you as a superhero, you know, everything you've done, but you are a human with just the same needs and desires as, as anyone else. And so having that that outlet, which is why I'm so pleased that you paint with such joy and such colour and such fervor and and yeah, and you're you seeing with other volunteers the power of, you know, saying, Oh, actually I'm having a really tough day today and this is hard. I have But you still struggle with that? <laughs> yeah. That's okay. I do. That's I do. okay. It's, it's funny. I don't I try not to Well you yeah, it's hard being a father as well because I try yeah. not to tell like too much of what's what's happened because I always it's that thing that you're saying before. It's just like kind of like you you learn to develop a, a a sense of humor as well. Yes, that is is it becomes to be like a, your bulletproof vest. Uh huh. I know it. And it's really dark, yeah. really dark sense of humor in certain situations. As you're, for example, in the camp. Yes, yes. With other volunteer friends, like you're like, oh yeah, the gallery is gonna shoot us. Oh no, it's gonna ruin my coffee. All, even yeah, yeah, worse yeah. and worse than that. And, and and you live like that, and you know that the person that is next to you in the camp saying those jokes is going through the same thing, and it's like, make you stronger, make you stronger like that. And, and that helps a lot. Until you meet someone that hasn't gone through those situations, and you, you have the same kind of humor, and you drop a joke, and they're like, oh my God, what's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I read the room wrong. <laughs> Like, like, oh yeah. no! So, yeah. so that can happen as well, so many times. Totally. But but yeah, I haven't found like your question. Like, I still struggling to 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 tell how I feel. I still struggle okay. to 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 come out open with 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 certain things that 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 had shaped my way of thinking and and and, and things that I have seen that. It's hard, so that's why I, I I decide to put it on canvas and. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there there's a, a particular story with when, what happened, in, in in, Ghana where where I was working in a community and then suddenly this this lady she come and she showed me her baby. It's a very very poor community and and there was not too many food around, and she gave me the baby and I started to. I hold him. Oh, hello. How are you? And then suddenly she wanted to run away, and other people were coming to grab her. And she was like, "No, please take him because I don't, I don't have any, any, any money. I can't feed this baby, and you know, I just, I just can't see him. It will be better with you. Please take my baby. Please take me." Like basically, what I was listening to that one was like, "If you don't take him now, he will die," and it's up to you in that moment to say yes. And that was it. It's a random selection, and and that, and I have to give it back to her. And they took her away, and, and and she was crying, and it was really hard to see that that because of what the the amount of comfort that we have here, the amount of many things that we have here, and and, and it's just hard, and it stayed with me for a long time. And sometimes, you know, I dream about the same scenario over and over, and and until I paint it, 
when I painted, uh, I show you later so you can you can. When I painted, then then it moved away. It, mm -hmm. uh, it got trapped in the canvas. It was mm -hmm. stalled there, mm -hmm. and then I didn't see anymore. It didn't it didn't go me anymore as much as as before when it was in the limbo. Well, and that's you staring it in the face and giving it its space rather than resist, 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 and turning it into again something that other people can see and learn from and and so it translates yeah instead of you sitting there and having to talk through your whole story and feeling that pain which well I'm grateful that you've talked about it. thank you for sharing it now but um it, it's a channel I guess that's easier for you and everyone has their own way and I think mm. that's the beauty of what I'm learning in this podcast everyone has their different way of channeling the things they go through in life and art is such a great way to do that yeah um and yeah, and I think that's beautiful. And I think we're going to wind, slowly wind down because I need to buy you lunch. <laughs> it's late. Um, but I guess the things I want to finish on, I had, I think, two questions. One, um, is there, I, I just, this is my own curiosity because I, I, I appreciate that painting is such a great way for you to ch to explain your experiences and you're such a great writer as well everyone will see in the book not only are you a talented photographer but you, you write so beautifully about your experiences um, Thank you. what is there anything as someone like you were saying when you can sometimes talk about your experiences people can be very upset emotional is there anything that people could do to help you in that sense this might be my responsibility OCD which I told you about earlier but is in like you some I'm just interested in how uh it's always a two-way street and uh, it, I think uh it reminds me of um uh, learning to talk about things and asking questions and not being afraid to ask questions so um yeah I just wonder if there's anything that you think friends could help you with with your experiences well, that's a weird question i don't know i don't know i don't, I don't... you uh, well your community your biking do you do you talk about completely have you opened up to them about some of your experiences or mm -hmm. or is that a com you love talking about other things with them i have tried i have tried but but, but, I, but I, I i do respect that for many of the people that that i talk to it's a very hard subject and and they prefer to live their lives in in that other side. And the simple idea of stepping into the bridge and feeling that waving, yeah, it scares them. Yeah. And 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 you don't you cannot be you can be really annoying by it. Hey, did I tell you? This? Well, let me tell you about this. Do you read my books? This could be really really hard oh, for many people. You can impose yourself. I think it's. Things like these, certain people have it on their hearts and they make their way to it and they ask questions I and see. they want to know. Yeah. But sometimes, yeah, some other people, it's, it's better no, not to have. And not, sometimes you need to not as well. You need an escape. Exactly. I guess. And yeah. so, some people, it's better to live the way that they live because you know that in the moment that they learn a little bit more, it will affect them. Yeah. And they maybe don't have the same mechanisms that that. that we do to to cope with it well it makes me think about the world as an entity and that idea that if you know my well-being is affected by uh, you know we're all connected and so my if there's suffering going on in the world it automatically affects me so it's like nobody wins in this really corrupt 
uh, you know, scenario. scenario. If they really don't, because yeah, the more you know, it, it's uh, it's so hard to reconcile that you know we can be sitting here lucky enough to just be warm and sit and have a nice conversation, and somewhere else there is complete devastation happening. And so how to, you know that that's like I remember discovering all that as a child, being like, what? But as in like I ju- yeah. So you, I get. I guess as I've got older and also learned more about my mental health, like having to recognise when uh, when I can be doing my bit and when I need to recharge and, and sit in my own space and breathe and not feel so overwhelmed by everything mm. that's happening. So mm. you, like you said, I guess you can understand why if people have never had an insight to that world uh, and don't think they have the capacity to do anything, how damaging it can be to know about it, I guess. Yeah. And we say, I mean, we're bombarded by media all the time, by news all the time. And we, sometimes we, we see that someone read an article in a newspaper about something and, and, and they decide to investigate more and find more about it. Sometimes other people do decide to change the channel. Yeah, and it's the same thing. It's just, and maybe they've had, you know, like like we were saying about the poverty here. They've had a ridiculous day. They're struggling, you know. Like, oh, how do we take it on? My boss has been an idiot all day. Yeah, long. yeah, yeah. Do yeah. I really need to see this kid in Palestine die? No, let's change the channel. Which you know, it's it's really interesting how. Well, oh, sorry, I'm so sorry to interrupt, <laughs> but that just makes me think of. This, like you said, the joy, you know, you were saying Africa, we don't see the joy. You know, news is so like, boom, boom, devastation. I wonder, and I guess this is, you know, you tell, uh, you were showing me a really sad story in this book, but you, there's also the cat story, you know, the, you show me the photo, you know, and more of that, the, 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 the human resilience of joy against all odds you know i wonder if then maybe people would be less desensitized to just like oh it's just so bleak and i can't do anything you know and recognizing humanity that's why the jungle you know the play is so effective because you see people living together i think the jungle was uh, to see the jungle was really hard for me because it brought me back to years later it brought me back to the same place that i that i used to do the workshops with the students it was in that restaurant I know. Oh in my god! Original, in the original, in the original Blimey. restaurant, and 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 it blew my mind when I saw, when I saw that, when I sit down, when Ben, one of the actors, yeah. which he was the, I, I I knew the original character, because he was my friend in the jungle, and and when he started to act and move the way that he moved and the things that were happening, he affected me incredibly I could have stopped crying during the during the during the during the play because I lived through through with all these people. I, I, I met them and, and and the kids and it was really hard to, to, to I feel I really really feel vulnerable that moment. Uh, it was really hard to see it. Was it cathartic though? Was it was it devastating but releasing as well of something that needed to come out? No. no, it was just fucking painful. <laughs> it, it was too hard. It was too oh, hard. Bless and, you. Yeah, it was really hard to look at it. And, I bet. and there was a moment when 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 the actor looked at me and he said, "He's so he's, you okay? Are yeah. you okay?" And I was like, "Yeah, no, I'm fine." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" And and it was just like, yeah. It was Did it cool. help seeing the audience then be so affected by the art? Because that seems to be a theme in your work. You know, you could see people didn't know who I was, and they were like looking at me, and it's like. 
I think he's a refugee. Look at him crying. Like, 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 like why is he crying so much? Like, why is this guy? And I was in a corner in the, in the darkness, but, but this, you still can see that. And I was like, I was, like, I was really affected by it. And the play is very important. It, 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 it's done in such a way that it brings back all those emotions in such a short time. Yeah. And tell a story that is so, so beautiful, so profound, so hard as well. So it's, it's really beautiful to see how how much work was put into it, how close the, the actors have got to their characters. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's, it's really, really interesting. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very proud to that, that the book and the stories are going to, to New York attached to them. Absolutely. To the it's really... That is, yeah, and I'm going to do a whole spiel at that at the end of this episode. They'll be like, this is what's happening with the girl now and catch him in New York, in the big city. Um, and my last question to you is, um, if there's anyone listening who um, was a volunteer, you know, uh, has been through similar things, hmm. uh, or is, you know, just uh, working in the same line of work and um, going through challenging periods, as we know, you there's there's joyful periods and there's very very challenging periods. Could you what um, is there any guidance you what words of advice would you offer um, during the hardest times? There is a problem with with with, with this place. As you asked me before, if you have any friends that can what can we do as friends? So how do you share it with other people and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Even though. Being there was very hard, and sharing the stories of these people and collecting all the stories were really tough. The sense of purpose that you feel by being there, I haven't been able to feel anywhere else. Okay. So, being there, even though it was hard, suddenly make every, the perspective of your life, it, it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. That you are doing something that is useful, that is something that is that 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 is not about money, that is not about reaching someone. It's just about helping the community, and suddenly that 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 makes sense, and 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 that you feel the happiness, like the meaning of life. Suddenly it gets answered in that moment. Yeah. Without it, then the question starts again. So being in situations like this is what it keeps me going and what it gives me help me with my mental health and all of this and I do need to, to, to keep continuing doing this because because the necessity of like giving back is very important for me I couldn't start by giving advice to we all cope in different ways and I have that I haven't met any volunteer that uh, their eyes shine when when we mention the jungle like it's something that's very in there in our in our heart and very very it's a feeling that is stuck in there and it will bring different feelings for everybody but it's it's it's, it's a very beautiful time in, and hard time in our lives i can i can give any advice of do this do that we all find our own ways in the same way that i did it um i just follow their hearts follow their hearts and 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 there will be a uh, Find an anchor like I did with my two an children. Anchor. Find an anchor and 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 follow their hearts and and it will it will it will go through. It will it will happen. Keep doing it. Keep mm-hmm. you know. 
it's that sense of purpose that creates an addiction. Mm-hmm. You know, that sense of like helping that creates an addiction. Mm-hmm. And then if you if you if you if you keep at it, you even in, like I said before, for me, the idea of this life is that before you die, look back and say, that was a great film. <laughs> I know when you said that earlier, and I was like, "Well, yours is like a whole like anthology of like we've got episode eight of <laughs> life." That's that's, yeah. that's for me, right? I, yeah, it's a good film. It worked it. It worked it every second, and, and and you know, well, and managing so that the addiction doesn't become unhealthy. It's a healthy. It's if, if with the anchor, the you can you can continue to follow your heart and that purpose and and also would you say that you've found you know in order to keep because I am as well such a passionate person about what I do and all these things but in order to in order to keep that healthy um finding recognizing the purpose of you just as a human human. as a father you know as a partner as a family member as all these things uh and as a human, and that, so that, that that is an anchor to fuel that, and and to but you can, you can exist just there for a time, and then bounce back into that purpose, and that helps. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly, and and believe in yourself, and even if you fail, even if you you try and try and, and if you fail, I mean, everybody told us about, everybody always tell us how bad was Icarus because he fly too high into the sun. But nobody ever tell you about the smile and the joy in his eyes when he was reaching that point. So, be worth it? Yes, of That's course it amazing. <laughs> what amazing image to end on. Miguel, so, I'm so grateful and you we've completely overstretched our time and I, I, I can't thank you enough, honestly. Um, and I know... I know that I've been dramatically changed by just listening to you for a couple of hours and I'm sure that there's going to be many more people who are going to be so grateful for you sharing your stories. Thank you for every project you've done. We didn't even talk about the London one that I wanted to talk to you about. (laughs) Go on his website. I'll give you all the deets. But thank you for all the work you do uh, and thank you for sharing it today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for sharing, Miguel. Uh, I've only met you twice and you're one of the most extraordinary human beings and uh, your generosity, your honesty, uh, I was really humbled by it. And um, and yeah, now I'm just going to promote all your stuff. So Miguel's website, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, www.miguelamortigui.com. This has links to his social media too. He's been in New York with Good Chance earlier this year, sharing his photos with other photographers who'd been working in the jungle and sharing his book, Voices of the Jungle. He's now working on separate projects in the Congo and then in Jordan. And then he'll be talking at a UN assembly on May the 31st about the refugee crisis and his work as a participatory photography coordinator. That is so exciting and we wish you all the best for that, Miguel. On his website, go to the store link to buy the book Voices of the Jungle and additional postcards. A percentage of the profits go directly to help refugees. 
Help Refugees is a fantastic organisation, still working with people in Calais and all over the world at www.helprefugees.org. Loads of ways you can help them out on there. And also there's Good Chance, www.goodchancetheatre.org.uk. The Jungle is in San Francisco at the Curran Theatre until May the 19th. It is the most extraordinary production uh, and I hope it continues to be shared all over the world. Uh, there are so many ways you can help them volunteering they've got loads of projects coming up so do get in touch and this is basically a call out there's probably loads more great organizations I could publicize so any organizations or community groups that work with refugees that want us to publicize your work please let us know at tyfs podcast or thank you for sharing podcast at gmail.com also I'll do a call out uh, from the subject matter we've been talking about Anybody's that also support volunteers who've been in these situations coming together to debrief, to share their stories and to help them continue to look after their mental health. And this, these sorts of things may be coming from the same community groups and organisations, the same NGOs or charities as part of their training. So anything like that, please do share that with us as well. My final thought for this episode uh, to share with you, uh, it comes from being hugely inspired by... Uh, Refugees and volunteers alike in the jungle. Uh, anyone, just basically the human spirit in in times of resilience and its ability to, our ability always to connect with one another, and and empathise with one another, and to make the world a, a, a nicer, fairer, more just place for us all to live in together. And and the thought is um, a poem that was shared by Good Chance Theatre. It's called The Hope by Youssef Wallace. You can find it online if you Google it on YouTube. Uh, spoken and performed by people in the Jungle Company, the theatre company, uh, refugees and volunteers in Paris. Um, and it's really, really beautiful, ending with the extremely poignant line, be love, be peace, be human, for we are all refugees. So much love to you all. And I will see you next week. Mm-hmm.